Looking for a way to level up your coaching and win more? Get better fast with GMS Plus. GMS Plus is your on-demand source for the best, most proven volleyball courses, drills, stats, videos, tips, and much more. Learn from some of the game's winningest coaches and players, including Heather Olmsted, Keegan Cook, John Spraw, Mike Wall, and Courtney Thompson. I've learned a great deal from Gold Medal Squared, as have many of our guests. Whether you're trying to win a state championship or an Olympic gold medal, GMS Plus will help you get there. And we have a Coach Your Brains Out code for listeners. To get 20% off an annual subscription, go to goldmedalsquared.com slash CYBO and enter the code CYBO. That's goldmedalsquared.com slash CYBO. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. All right, today we're excited to welcome to the show, Lauren Ammon. Lauren, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks guys so, so much for having me. And you actually pronounced my last name right. You are one of the very few. Okay, well, I listened to some other <laughs> podcasts with you just to be, be safe. Um, so you were a competitive swimmer. Can you tell us what you're doing now and the mission behind your work? Yeah, so I'm going to start kind of with my swimming career, right? So my mom, I have two older sisters. My mom threw me into the pool at five years old because she needed something to do with me while I was at the swim meet. Uh, 17 years later, I graduated from Eastern Michigan University, a D1 program as a team captain and a wildly successful swimming career. So part of that, one of my biggest struggles as a swimmer is, was the mental side of the game, right? So there were, obviously I had some phenomenal performances, but right. Finding that consistency and being there for myself and, and being able to have some of that positive think was always one of my biggest struggles as an athlete. So fast forward through my professional career, I went into HR, I had a wildly successful career there, but found it just wasn't my space. And I had the opportunity to be exposed to executive coaches. And I thought, well, Hey, this kind of aligns to my desire to help others reach their full potential, right? Kind of going back into that athletic space, spent a year getting my certification, opened my business, really focused on leadership development, career transition, being that my sweet spot for the last 15 years professionally. And then there was just something that just wasn't clicking for me, right? I mean, I think a lot of high performers have that, oh, it's almost there, but it's not quite there. So it was a week before the 2020 Olympics, which we all know was postponed by a year. And I just happened to say to a business mentor of mine, I wonder what it would be like to work with former athletes. Just that psychographic of people who love to be coached, who are willing to give everything about themselves. And then the Olympics started and it was the night that Simone Biles removed herself from competition. It was the same night that Katie Ledecky won the gold in the 1500, but had a very disappointing swim. And then Michael Phelps was talking to Mike Tirico in the broadcast and said to at least the United States broadcast, right? Uh, competing at this level was really overwhelming. We just want someone to talk to. We just want someone who listens and doesn't want to fix us. And I had this, oh my goodness moment sitting there watching this broadcast and th- saying or thinking to myself, here was the most prolific Olympian I'll ever see in my lifetime. Tell the world we have no one on the mental side of the game. And literally in that moment, I completely pivoted my whole business and now work with athletes to train their minds like they train their bodies. And that is really the big why behind the mission is there's a space for athletes to know that there can be intentionality around what we think and how that influences our performance. 
That's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing with us. Um, my next question would be, if you sat down with an athlete for the first time, what are some of the first conversations you have? What does that first conversation sound like? Yeah. So I always say I love to allow the athlete to lead. Uh, and some of the questions are really about, and this coming from my HR background too, tell me about yourself. And I listen for where they come from, right? Specifically as an athlete of listening for things like how they view themselves in performance, right? Is there, a, is there a big lean on winning versus losing? Is there a big lean on external validation in terms of their performance? And starting just to unravel where they're coming from and then digging further into, well, what are your biggest challenges when it comes to performance? What are your biggest challenges when it comes to being an athlete? Where do you really struggle? Where do you feel like your mind is really helping you? And where do you feel like your mind is getting in the way? And really just opening the door. And it, it kind of stems from what Michael Phelps was talking about. It's just creating a space for the athlete to open up. Because I think a lot of times as athletes, you know, we want to make sure that we've got our, our, our toughness out there. People know that we're competitive. We're tough. We know what we're talking about. We know what we're doing. And just allowing that comfortable space of, this is an area where you can completely unleash. There is no judgment. Just let me into your world a little bit so I can understand where you're doing really well and where you're struggling. And then we, then we go from there. So what are some of the things that you've found um, athletes need help with the most? What consistently comes up is confidence. And mm. this concept of... One, a really interesting conversation that really stands out to me is this idea of uh, an athlete really talking about how he felt he needed to be one person on the court versus who he was off the court. And this concept of putting on airs or, or acting in a way that he believed others wanted him to or believed that he should, which was in... Mm -hmm direct contrast to what made him feel comfortable or where he felt he performed the best. So those are the things that are really coming up is how do I find my confidence out on the court and how do I really show up as me and what's most comfortable and, and natural to me versus feeling like I've got to be someone else entirely one in order to keep up or two to fill this mold that I've convinced myself everyone else wants me to be. And so when you're ha having that conversation with the athlete um, and they, they're looking for you to just kind of, oh, can you just give me confidence or whatever, is that's where it stems from kind of being themselves or how do you meld that? Yeah. So one of the, the catchphrases I use with athletes, it's kind of cheesy, but it works. Uh, if you want to win, go within. And the idea of really tuning into who you are as an individual, um, you know, I'll use myself as, as a prime example as well. That was my biggest struggle of feeling like I needed to fit a mold that everyone wanted me to be, right? Because a lot of times as an athlete, you know, you get the question, well, did you win? And then you've got to have that tough conversation when you don't of, no, I really didn't win, but I had a great performance, right? You know, so sometimes it's, it can be challenging, right? As an athlete, when you're talking to either non-athletes or other athletes of, 
you know, who is it that I'm supposed to be in this moment? How is it that I'm supposed to show up? And that catchphrase of, if you want to win, go within of really starting to um, pick apart or formulate where do you feel most natural in the sport? Where do you feel most natural showing up as yourself? And then how do you bring that to the surface in order to maximize your peak performance in the moment and really shining in your most um, natural or fluent way. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I guess uh, I'd ask, how does an, how do you like lead an athlete through finding their identity? Um, like who they are when they're, you know, they're at their best. And then I also feel like there's times as an athlete where maybe you have a good game when you're, you're feeling one way and you have another game when, when you're playing angry or playing calm. Like, I guess, how do you yeah, like clarify that identity and how, you, how can you bring it out in a competition? Yeah. So one of the things we often talk about is, you know, as athletes, the world is designed around winning and losing, right? There's this black and white version of life. And, you know, what I really work with athletes is this concept of mastery. So how are you mastering yourself within the competition? And a lot of the times we talk about, we break this down into the six contributors of performance, um, soul, or kind of your, your purpose, your mission, your why, everything, you know, the really deep rooted things as to why you became an athlete in the first place, your heart, you know, what are the emotions behind it, your mind, what are the thoughts behind it? Uh, the environment. So what is it about what's going on around you uh, to identify your body, your physicality um, and your relationships? So the, the social ability of whether it be with your teammates, with your coach, your parents, uh, you know, depending on what level of athlete you've re- or level of competition and performance you've reached of really unraveling those and understanding within those six elements, where are you showing up most naturally? And where are some of the stressors that are getting in your way? You know, a lot of times what I work with athletes on is this concept of performance equals connection times ease. And the connection is really the deepest rooted why you started as an athlete to begin with. What is it about sports that really brings your peak performance out in you? You know, really going back to, you know, why did I start swimming? Well, one, my mom threw me in. But two, I fell in love with the sport. There was nothing else I wanted to do. So my connection was always there. Times ease is going deeper into those six contributing factors and saying, where are you really finding ease in those? And where is stress coming in in each of those areas for you to really identify where you're showing showing up most as you and where, and this is one of the more challenging uh, kind of concepts is where are you kind of getting in your own way? Or where are you allowing some of those influences to block your ease and thus your highest potential or highest performance? Wow, uh, Lauren, there is so much that you are throwing at us right now. Um, I'm not sure which rabbit hole I want to go down because <laughs> this is this speaks to so much about I think what um, every athlete on any level would struggle with. Uh, it's interesting as I'm hearing you talk, uh, I've had a lot of conversations with different level of athletes and they often think that like higher level athletes, division one athletes, Olympians, those types of athletes, it's easy to look at those athletes and think that they're different than us, than the lower level, if we're competing at a lower level. And at the end of the day, it really does feel like, no, they are struggling at the same thing. They just swim faster, you know, even though a lot of the things behind it might be the same. Would you, would you agree or disagree with that? 
Oh, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, you know, okay. a lot of the things that I've, that I've really kind of uncovered as I dive deeper, I had to actually had the opportunity to speak to an Olympic gold medalist swimmer and was one of the greatest moments of my life. Um, but speaking with this person, you know, absolutely I, seeing the same kind of struggles. One of the things that really popped out is I've done all these things in my life and I'm known for a race that lasted shorter than two minutes. Right. So there's always that constant struggle. And I absolutely agree that yes, every athlete, regardless of what level you're on struggles with the same challenges. It is just the difference in physicality. They swim faster, they hit the ball farther, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and often saying, you know, a lot of times what you see on the outside of an athlete doesn't match what's going on internally inside their own head. Well, and, and to that, I kind of wanted to go back a little bit because you touched on the concept of confidence. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I've done a lot of ugh, definitely non-scientific uh, work in conversations with my athletes. Uh, but one of the ways that we talk about confidence is one, we like to take a word like that, that kind of has a definition of our character and then actually define the word. And then ask ourselves, what, what does that actually look like? How does it manifest itself in the real world? So the working definition that we've had lately for confidence is simply just self-trust. And if we can work in practice and, and, and do that self-trust and trust our technique, trust the way we interact with our teammates, we'll build confidence. And it's definitely, we try to decouple that from any type of um, actual outcome. Now, having said that, I would love it if you would poke some holes in that and tell me why I'm wrong and how I could better that. Oh gosh. My first inclination is to say that I don't know you're wrong. What came up for me as you were talking, one, I think that's a really powerful definition of confidence. And it goes back to a lot of the, what we talk about as well with the athletes is I don't know what you guys were like as, as athletes, you know, kind of really behind the scenes, but I always said, you know, I'm a practice. I was a practice athlete right? There was nothing that could stop me in practice. I would try anything. I would try going out faster than I normally would to see if I could hold the pace. I'd try to do it in the middle, right? I was fearless when it came to practice. This idea of self-trust was, and, and that phrase is really powerful and I'm going to steal that moving forward. Um, give you credit for sure, Nels. Just so um, you know, that was absolutely not my definition. It came from a book <laughs> by Brett Ledbetter and all that kind of stuff. There's, I have no original thoughts whatsoever. I just try to steal everything. So that was stolen. I can give it to you. Don't credit me, but. Yeah. Um, but where that, where I, from my own personal experience, where the confidence waned was when I got to competition. Mm. And because I was so tied to that outcome, even if it was some regular season meet that was after Christmas training, which I don't know if you guys know is one of the hardest times in swimming, you completely beat yourself up and then you've got to meet in January and by no means would you ever really expect to swim your best times. But in my mind, absolutely. Why wouldn't I? Right. And so every time I got to the competition, that's where the lack of self-trust came. And that's where the lack of confidence really came. Uh, that's when I say, I don't know that it's a wrong definition or to really pull coals, because I believe that is really kind of the root of being able to trust yourself in the moment that one, you've done all the work in order to get where you want to be. But at the same time, the outcome is more of a progress report than a definition of your value or worth as an athlete. It's a, it's a milestone to say, Hey, this is how far you've come. Here's what you've been able to do based on the work you put in. 
This isn't your endpoint. It doesn't mean that you're any less valuable because of what the outcome is. And I think that really helps build confidence as well of when working with athletes to shift that mindset of this outcome isn't your worth. It's really just a data point to say, here's how far you've come or maybe not. And then to be able to adjust something moving forward in your training regimen or, or practice schedule, whatever the case may be, to then help build confidence. I don't know that I can poke a hole in that. All right, well, I'm going to conti continue to work on it and I'm going to continue to try to build on that. But if you're saying that the, it's a decent working definition, then I'll keep working with that definition. Yeah. Um, then, so, so from there, can you talk a little bit about how athletes might build uh, resiliency uh, and then also how can a coach help that process? Yeah. And I love the concept of resiliency. Um, I tend to steer away from the idea of mental toughness, right? Kind of separating this idea that in order to be strong, you've got to be mentally tough. I think that's a part of it, but I, I love the word resiliency because I think it really kind of contributes to the conversation. One of the greatest things about athletes is their resilience, right? This idea of basically getting knocked down and getting right back up and moving forward, right? But there's a difference between physical resilience and mental resilience. And the mental resilience, and this is what I work on a lot with athletes, is taking that pause, following uh, a competition or a performance or a meet, a race, whatever you're, you know, insert whatever the right terminology for the sport you play. Because a lot of times on the mental side of the game, what athletes kind of breeze through or brush by is the outcome of the performance. And this is kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth, right? Not to focus on the outcome, but once it's done, how then do you kind of go back and learn from it? Because what, what I've seen with athletes, not only for myself and the athletes I work with, is we can get caught up in that outcome, right? Whether it was a great performance and we look at ourselves and say, okay, in order to achieve that again, I have to do ex everything exactly the same, right? And you kind of get caught up in this whirlwind of, oh my gosh, that was so great. And maybe you then miss the opportunity to perform even better the next time. But also on the ones where an athlete doesn't perform as well as they want, right? You know, it's getting stuck in that vortex of thought around, this is what I could have done. This is what I should have done. Had I just, you know, made, this different, you know, whether it was a faster turn, right. Using swimming terminology, uh, or in volleyball, had I just hit it in this direction, I would have gone the other way. Right. Um, so the idea of taking a pause and I really work with athletes say after every competition that you've gone through, examine it. What went really well? What were the top three things that went really well and what worked for you? What are the top three things that didn't go your way that you wish you could have done differently? and process those, right? You know, it's oftentimes with the, the strength of resilience, we, as athletes, we get back up and we move on. But if we don't process the emotions behind what we experience, that's what becomes our patterns. And we just start to default into those patterns because our brain is wired for efficiency. And so as opposed to reinventing the wheel every time, we just fall back into things so we don't have to think so much. But this offers an opportunity to kind of wipe the slate clean, if you will, following any performance um, so that we don't get caught in patterns that may not necessarily be as effective for us as it possibly can be 
And so that we can look at the next competition or performance as a completely different experience backed by what we've already been through because we've processed it and we have an opportunity to move on. So you mentioned, this is based off of, off of what you just said, hopefully. You, you mentioned uh, that Caitlin Ledecky, apparently, I don't remember this exactly, but I have an inkling of it, where she won the gold medal, but it wasn't the best performance, so she felt. Mm -hmm. How would you have a conversation with, with that specifically with, with a, a swimmer like Caitlin after the, the Olympics, where she's potentially beating herself up after winning the gold medal? Mm -hmm. Have you had it, similar experiences like that with yourself, with other athletes, like those conversations? It sounds a little bit more like what you were just describing, but could you go more in depth and like, how you would potentially approach that with her. Yeah, I, I love that you asked this question, Nils, because even on that night, I was like, I wish I could just talk to her. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was the concept, I don't know if anybody remembers, but um, it was after the 1500, she was about 20 seconds off of her world record. And it was the first time that women got to swim the 1500 in the Olympics. So it was a pretty monumental moment. And if I were there, my ultimate dream is to be the mental resilience coach for Team USA swimming. So let's put that out there into the universe. Um, but if I were there at the Olympics, of to pull her into a room completely away from everybody else. So um, what I remember witnessing is that you know, she put a mask on right away and kept um, pinching the mask right up into her ear or her eye ducts, right or her tear ducts. And I thought to myself, oh, goodness, she is trying so hard to minimize what she's feeling right now and to pull her into a room and literally open up and with an opening question of what exactly are you feeling right now? Not how, but to be very intentional. What are you feeling? And open up the emotion behind what just happened because I'm, I'm gonna guess, right? And I've, and I've read a couple of things afterwards, but um, I'm gonna guess there was a mix of emotion of oh my goodness, this is the first time women got to swim the 1500 in the Olympics. I just won gold. This is absolutely amazing. Paired with, I did not show up the way that I wanted to, or this was wildly off what I expected from myself. And open the conversation to allow her to say, this is what I'm feeling. And one of the things that is really important to me as part of the process is to acknowledge and validate where the where the athlete is, right? And I think a lot of times that can go unaddressed of just acknowledging, well, of course you have a mix of emotions right now. This is a monumental moment and you didn't get to swim as fast or you didn't swim as fast as you wanted to. And then validating that where she is is perfectly normal and okay. And despite the fact she's the like most winningest distance female swimmer in history in this moment, she didn't show up the way she wanted. Oh, by the way, she didn't have the support system that she normally would have because of the circumstances surrounding the 2020 Olympics and allow her the opportunity to feel what she was feeling outside of any media, any attention, whatever the case may be, and just let the emotion flow. Because a lot of times what I talk about is emotions are energy, E, in motion and to create the opportunity to allow them to come up out and process them in order to kind of what we were saying before, wipe, wipe the slate clean to then be able to move forward. Cool. And on the topic of resilience, um, 
What about within the game? So I know swimming might be a little different. Um, volleyball, for instance, there's a lot of starts and stops and we reset games and stuff like that. What, what would you say for an athlete who is hard on themselves and they need to recover from like making a few errors in a row? Um, yeah. Any tips for that? Like within the game when you don't have the time to kind of uh, yeah, decompress? Yeah. It's a great question. Um, so what I haven't mentioned is my, my older son is a, um, four, uh, sport athlete. And that actually came up with him this past, uh, fall in football. And, you know, he tends to be one of those who is very down on himself and as his mother and as the profession that I do, I can see when he's spiraling out of control, right. I can see when he's mentally swirling inside of a game, whether it be basketball, baseball, football, or swimming, he swims in the summer. And one of the things that I worked on with him was kind of, it wasn't kind of, it was that self-talk during the game. So in football, similar to uh, volleyball, you've got a lot of certain stops, you know, every play is, you know, it ends and then you start another one. One of the things that I worked with him on is really starting to ask himself the question. Okay. Uh, you know, it's kind of in the moment, right? Being that's where the kind of the, the deep resiliency comes into play in a game like volleyball or, or, or football, or where you've got the start and stop in that moment, put that play compartmentalize it. It's over here. Like we can talk about it after we're done, but as you step up to the next play, how can I show up my best in this moment? And that's what I worked with him on is to get in the habit of, okay, every time I step up to the line of scrimmage, asking myself that question, how can I be the best in this moment? And really rooting through, okay, I can either run a little faster, whatever the case may be, whatever the play was, he obviously knew it, run a little faster, get to my target a little quicker, um, be a little bit more agile and open to, you know, reading the field in a different way, but starting to get him into that habit of just every single time, how can I be my best in this moment? Knowing that that question, the answer to that question may change. And then when I work with him after is, okay, run me through how you were feeling during some of those moments. How were you able to show yourself that you could be the best in that moment? We found that that was really, really helpful for him in order to kind of get past the, oh, I should have been doing that and immediately asking the question, how can I show up my best in this moment? So would you have uh, the same conversation with him in the context of like a playoff or a championship game? Um, do you think it's better to like play down moments? Uh, like it's just another game. It's no big deal. Or to acknowledge that the stakes might be higher in, in those moments. Like how do you handle the changing context of pressure moments? Well, that's a great question. I would acknowledge that there's higher stakes, or I do acknowledge that there's higher stakes in some of those higher games, right? Again, to go back to where an athlete is coming from, having been there myself, right? There's a, a huge difference between just an in-season meet where you're just kind of filling the time in order to see how far you're progressing and either a state championship or a, um, a collegiate conference championship, right? And, you know, actually this is, a, I'll, I'll be fully transparent. This was one of the mistakes I made early on with my son specifically was trying to paint the picture that th that moment quote unquote doesn't matter and let me let me kind of fast forward right so when i look at my swimming career no one quote unquote cares anymore that i was a state championship or that i i, I placed in the top third in the mac in college and i made that mistake with my son of saying well it's just another game. it's fine you know just let's play i i did the whole play it down thing and then i thought to myself 
wait a minute. Had someone said that to me in the moment, it would have put me into a tailspin of, of course this matters right now. Of course it does. And so that's why I, working with athletes now is to acknowledge, uh, and of course you feel that there's higher stakes here, but then walking through, what about this for you makes it different than a regular in-season game or meet or whatever the case may be. And starting to really understand where their mindset is in this moment. And then again, going back to the six contributing factors of performance. Okay, how then do we filter this specific high stakes competition through those? And how are those contributors or influences different now than they were in the past? And starting to game plan for, okay, how then do we work through those stressors?